Hello, my fellow Extraordinary Americans. My name is Cosmos Dar, and this is Extraordinary America. What is Extraordinary America? Well, you see, America has always been about freedom, opportunity, and the pursuit of happiness. However, most Americans are not free when it comes to the financial front. Most Americans are suffering from financial slavery due to loss of jobs, stagnant wages, inflation, and debt. Wealth and income inequality is the norm now, and the middle class has all but disappeared. So Extraordinary America is about the abolition of financial slavery. It is about the financial freedom of the 99%. It is about the nation of immigrants and the descendant of immigrants restoring the extraordinary within themselves and setting themselves free. The path to financial freedom is through financialist education. It is through becoming entrepreneurs and investors on the light side. In this podcast, I interview fellow Americans who fought against the odds. Many of them came from humble beginnings to see how they did it. It is my hope through these interviews that the extraordinary within you shall awaken and that you will abolish financial slavery from your life and realize the American dream. Once again, welcome to Extraordinary America. Hello, my fellow Extraordinary Americans. Welcome back to Extraordinary America. For today's guest, we have Bo Sisse, originally from Guinea, West Africa, and a proud alumni of the University of San Diego. Bo Sisse has made a clear commitment to elevating people's lives in everything he does. His biggest passion came to fruition a few years ago when he became the founder and CEO of Meraki Allure, a high-end environmentally conscious clothing and fashion line that also offers a wide range of image consulting services and made-to-wear suits and gowns. His company's vision is to be a global leader in sustainable luxury goods while inspiring the confidence in their clients to live in their Meraki, aka their passion. Mo's story began decades ago when his family emigrated to America in search of the American dream. He fought through so many hardships and obstacles to get to where he is and is the ultimate embodiment of the immigrant entrepreneurial spirit, which is the foundational core identity of who we are as Americans. Mo is an extraordinary American, and that is why I have him on the show. Mo, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me, Cosmos? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, Mo, it's an honor to have you as a guest on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. It's definitely a pleasure to have these uplifting conversations. Yeah, definitely. So, Mo, I know that you're uh, you're an entrepreneur, you're a CEO, and you're a fashion designer. Can you tell us a little bit more about your story, your background, and how you got started? Yeah, thank you. So, just like you shared in the uh, in the intro, uh, my story is uh, initially. Uh, um, a hobby turned into a business because uh, when I came to America, like most immigrants, I thought I was going to go into the the medical field and be a doctor just to impress my family. But unfortunately, and fortunately, I was able to really um, tap into more of my passion uh, and eventually that led it to the business that it is. But luckily for me, I guess it wasn't an accident after all that I ended up being an entrepreneur because my mother has been an entrepreneur all of my life, just like you read in my intro. My brother's a real estate broker. My sister has a, a retail business. So it's been, um, I guess it was meant to be after all for me to end up as an entrepreneur, but it was just more so trying to find 
what is it, which, what's going to be my lane specifically instead of trying to follow other people or what I've seen others do. Uh, so I'm grateful that I was able to follow that path and follow my passion to turn it into a business. That's, that's awesome. Though. Like one of the reasons I have you in the show is because you're so similar, you're so similar to uh, like your story is similar to my story. Because when I came to America first, like my parents sent me here to become either an engineer or a doctor. They're like, you only have two <laughs> professions to choose. You just don't want to. And I was like, okay, I mean, doctor is like 10, 15 years. I mean, I'm not going to do that. Engineer, four yeah. years, make, make 60,000, 70,000 starting salary. Why not? Right. And so that's how I did. Like, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's all about making money and like becoming financially free. And entrepreneurship and starting a business is the means to that. And uh, and American identity is all all about immigrants and entrepreneurship and all of that. And uh, yeah. it's really interesting uh, about about your story. So, what brought you to the moment where you decided that you wanted to start a business instead of doing a nine to five job? And like, what was that? What what was the process? That led you to this moment to start your company. I appreciate that question. So, for me, it it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a straight line. What I mean by that is, I was already in the corporate world. Uh, my last job before I went full time with my business, I was working uh, for an online school doing employee trainings and employee engagements. So I was in that corporate field for about seven and a half years before going into. Uh, business full-time for myself, but what led to uh, really taking that big leap of faith and going into entrepreneurship is a personal story for me that was really near and dear to my heart. I saw a friend of mine that was very close to me. He was actually uh, Marvin Gaye's um, lead guitarist. So this was someone that uh, was in his early 70s. He lived out his passion. He got to travel the world and tour with celebrities like Marvin Gaye back in the day and things like that. So when he passed away in 2015, I started to question myself, what am I doing that, that I actually enjoy? So it's kind of like losing a loved one, but at the same time, using it as inspiration. Um, so when that was the first thing, the second thing that happened was two of my friends, one of them had been a client of mine because up to that point in 2015, when I lost my friend, but I also in 2015, at that point, I had also been a personal stylist as a hobby for 10 years. So I would take men and women shopping, teach them how to put their clothes together and dress for different occasions. So up to 2015, I had already been doing that as a hobby alongside my corporate job. So luckily a second uh, interesting set of an event happened two friends in 2015 had a load of intervention with me telling me that I need to take fashion more seriously. <laughs> so I think, you know, when you look at the things that happen around your life and also you being open because at the end of the day, it all comes down to us as individuals. Are we even open to feedback? Luckily for me at that point, I was already looking to do something that I love as an entrepreneur. I just didn't know what yet. And I didn't realize that the, the answer was in front of me the whole time. <laughs> But luckily for me, fast forward, I took my friend's advice to take fashion more seriously. So I um, studied the industry, trying to figure out which lane of the fashion industry we wanted to be in. And I realized that there was a dark side of the fashion industry where it's now um, the second or third most wasteful industry in the world next to the oil industry. 
Uh, so luckily Love for us, conversations about light side and dark side, like exactly. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Um, if we're going to be in fashion, we want to be part of the solution instead of the problem. So luckily for us, we officially launched Meraki Lore in 2016. Um, but that's the, the long story version of how I ended up as an entrepreneur. I was already open to it, but I guess I needed life to just kind of push me a little bit to remind me what I wanted to do. So Mo, can you tell the audience a little bit more about the dark side of the fashion industry? Because I, I don't think, I don't. I think there's like a lot of people that know they see fashion and they're like, man, yeah. it's all glamour and glitz. Exactly. <laughs> like a really cool way, like celebrity culture. But what what is what is the dark side of this industry, if you don't mind me asking you? Absolutely. It's been a big passion for me to really educate people more because even for myself, before starting this business, I didn't know about that side of this industry. So long story short. I would highly recommend for all of the viewers and the listeners to check out a documentary called The True Cost. Uh, the True Cost, the name of it. Um, basically, the a documentary goes over how the fashion industry prize in third world countries like India or even Africa or other places in the world where basically they use these factories that are all competing to basically win the bid to create their clothes. But they do so many shortcuts that the industry ends up having a negative impact on the employees, on the, the environment, some of the dyeing products that they use to dye fabrics that runs into the water streams and sometimes causes birth defects. So long story short, the sustainable or the lack of sustainability in fashion and the cause of it in the environment is truly immense because back in the day, uh, way before you and I were born, uh, fashion used to respect the four seasons of the world. You would have new products come out four times a year. But now fashion is producing new clothes almost on a weekly basis versus per season. So when you're doing that, you're affecting agriculture. You're affect affecting how people source products. You're taking more shortcuts just to get people to buy and buy and buy. So without making <laughs> the whole podcast about that, that's the short version of it. So for you, for us choosing to be sustainable, it's, um, it's a big commitment because it's uh, how we uh, source our products. The fact that we've never, in our six years we've been in business, we've never thrown excess clothes into landfills. We've never burned excess clothes. Um, and most of our products are made to order. We don't have a massive inventory that forces us to do 70% off sale at the end of the season just to get rid of stuff and make room for new stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, I mean, it's, it's pretty intense. Not only that, like uh, a lot of like the people in the third world countries, like they're not being paid like enough. Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, one of, it's one of those things. That is, that is actually pretty intense. I myself am not... I'm not aware of many of these things. Like when mm -hmm. I just see fashion, I'm like, oh, well, I don't, I don't ask, I've not asked the deep questions about it, but, yeah. but what, but what, what is your solution to solving all of this problem? If, if you don't mind me asking in a little bit more detail about that. Absolutely. So just like anything else in life, it starts with ourselves. For me, I just needed to get educated, number one, and number two, be more conscious of where I shop. As a, as a consumer, 
I still have to be conscious of that. That's part of my responsibility. That's part of your responsibility. That's part of the responsibility of the listeners is just educated, get educated, be more conscious of where you shop. You know, it doesn't mean that you all of a sudden throw away everything you have and start fresh, um, but just be more conscious and support companies out there that are making, that are taking steps towards sustainability. You know, so for us, um, it's a personal thing first. And then after that, it's um, um, implementing business principles within our business to help us be part of the solution, like choosing to be uh, sustainable, like choosing not to burn excess clothes, like choosing uh, to make most of our clothes made to order. Um, and another unique thing that we started a couple of years ago is that in our custom process uh, or even our made to measure process, that's what we call it. Um, for every shirt that's sold, custom shirt that's sold, we there's a tree that's planted. Every suit that's sold, there's a couple of trees that are planted, every overcoat. So we partner with non a nonprofit that does this for us as a way to basically pay it forward uh, back to the environment. So that's just part of the process. You know, everyone can make a difference supporting um, different organizations that are really trying to head into the right direction because sustainability is such a big topic that it's hard to do everything 100% all the time. So we're just taking small increment steps uh, one day at a time. Mo, you're fighting for something that's much larger than yourself. Like, I mean, it's, exactly. it's about something like it's much bigger. But exactly. Mo, on a on a on a different note regarding regarding yeah. just like monetizing your passion, you know, a lot of people they are in corporate America, but they want to monetize their hobbies, right? And they want to like turn they want to become financially free. They want to do something that they love, but they're yeah. all, they're really afraid. They don't know the process of how to go about from monitor, from like going to from corporate America to monetizing their hobby into like a business and financially free. Could you tell the audience a little yeah. bit more about the process and how you got to that point? Yeah, really good question. Um, so I'm a big advocate to start wherever you are. What I mean by that is sometimes when you want to go into something like entrepreneurship, but you're scared or you have concerns or in some people's case, they have family that want them to be doctors or something else. I know, I know would highly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So for me, it's to start where you are, start slow if you have to. So for example, for me, when we launched the business in 2016, I stayed at my corporate job all the way until uh, 2019. So you don't have to leave your job right away or that sense of security that you need sometimes, especially if you live in an expensive state like I do in California. You know, you need that sense of security. But well, some what people... Are you doing? California is such high taxes. You should go to someplace like Texas or Florida where there's like no state income tax, no city tax. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's, it's I know, man. But I know, I'm... I'm... Uh, unfortunately and unfortunately, I'm deeply in love with the way San Diego treats me, the network I have here and the weather. So that's the pros and cons of falling in love with something. Um, but yeah, so to answer your question, for a lot of people that are in, the, they already have a job or a career, but they want to explore into it, uh, entrepreneurship, I highly recommend that do it on a part-time basis if you can. 
So for me, in my case, one of the things that I did when I was still at my job is that I would work my job basically from 7 to 5 p.m., but from 6 to 9 p.m., I would go to networking events. I would work on my business. I would uh, research manufacturers. So basically, yes, you're sacrificing a certain part of your evening or watching TV or whatever you normally do at that time to reinvest into your business. And then eventually when the business catches enough traction, you can determine whether you want to go full-time or not, or still continue to do it part-time. It's up to you. But the whole point is I encourage people with the idea that they don't have to quit everything completely to be able to start at least doing something that they love, you know? So Mo, you're telling, uh, you're telling people that they should stop watching Netflix. I mean, I don't know about you, but... No, no. I don't don't want to get in trouble with Netflix, but... No, 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 I I don't agree with you, but, like, a lot of people are still (laughs) busy, like, just watching shows on Netflix, and they're just, like, they could use that time to become financially free, like, start a business, like, do something that they're passionate about and find a way to monetize it, but they just, they're like, ah, no, I just want to, I just want to watch this documentary. Oh, this show is so good. I mean, they're just, like... (laughs) So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to your why. You know, I've heard it said before that if the why is strong enough, everything else would be will fall into place, basically, because at the end of the day, for me, the why to build something for myself to do what I love, excuse me, is the thing that energizes me, that makes life worth it for me. You know, I didn't have to leave my job. I didn't have to go pursue my dream. But to me, the idea of coming to the end of my life and not having done something that was worthwhile for me, that to me is more scary than actually playing it safe. So it all comes down to what is your why and what drives you? Because ultimately, similar to what you said about your parents and your family, if you do ultimately end up getting that financial freedom and abundance, then you can go ahead and take care of the people that you love and, and move that generation forward. Because it was never about the job title. It was more so about the resources and the freedom that the resources give you to be able to elevate other people's lives. It was never about the title, but it's the perception that being a doctor or being something else, that what that is and what makes the family feel a certain way. But ultimately, it's about the resources and the freedom that the resources give you, that's what allows you to elevate people's lives and make a greater impact in the world. I could not agree more. Yes. It's a, from the why stems your passion and from the passion comes the perseverance to go through all the hurdles and the struggles because you're going to go through a lot of struggles while doing business. You know, there's going to be a lot of doubt. There's going to be a lot of like ifs and buts, you know, like highs and lows. What's going to keep you going is that passion or that why. And so I agree, like, but, uh, what, what was your why, Mo? Like what made you, what made you go through like the highs and lows of business and like, it just keeps you going on even, even though like things could get tough, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fortunately and unfortunately we've been through some of those lows that really have tested us where we were like, uh, we going to close the doors and we're going to keep moving forward. Uh, so for me. The why comes down to some of the things I shared with you previously about what I want my life to be like, my legacy to be. But the other why is 
I want to be an inspiration, inspiration for others as well, because I come from a family where I'm the youngest of seven kids. I have a lot of nieces and nephews. They're watching me indirectly and directly. So I want to also be an example to really have pursued something great and achieved it or even came close to achieving it. So that way they also have an example to move forward. So that's part of my why. But the other part of my why personally is really to help move my family's uh, generation or legacy forward. Because if my family sacrificed so many things for me to be in this country, then what's the purpose? Is it just for a paycheck? If it's just for a paycheck, I could have stayed in Africa and made good money there. I don't have to leave Africa. But for me to leave my family behind in Africa to come all the way here, then what is that for? It has to be for something greater. So anyways, I don't want to. <laughs> it's so inspirational. That is kind of like my why. Because I had to leave my family behind in, uh, in, in India. Like right now, I'm here in America kind of like by myself. Yeah. And technically, like my parents are are not in America. And it's just like, I know I have to be, I got to make their, like, I'm here because of them. Because they exactly. sacrificed a lot financially in order for me to be yeah. in America in the first place. Like, they came every yeah. year to make sure that I had my green card so I could eventually become a citizen. And oh, yeah. I can't let that go to waste. Like, I got to make something of this life. You know, I got to make an impact and help other people. Because, exactly, yeah, that's, that's what good, yeah, that's what, that's what. And I'm glad you brought that up because that goes back to your question about the why, you know, because you mentioned earlier that my vision and my goal for the business is bigger than myself. So in your case, similar to my case, our whys are bigger than ourselves. When your why is bigger than yourself, it makes it least likely for you to quit because it's not just about you. If it's just about me having a, a little bit of money or having a nice car, man. We, it's, it's so much easier to quit when times get tough, but because you have these bigger whys behind you that inspire you, that fuel you, it makes it easier to stand strong uh, and continue to push forward, you know? Yeah. I mean, part of my, like when we're talking about something bigger than ourselves, like part of my why was um, I saw, I saw literal financial slavery in the Middle East, right? Like there were mm -hmm. uh, a lot of immigrants that were in the, in the Middle East, like they're there of like any descent and of like different mm -hmm. nationalities, but they're working in all these construction sites and they're working in mm -hmm. all these low paying jobs, like as waiters, mm -hmm. uh, maids, servants, etc. Mm -hmm. And they're basically enslaved because they have to like, they have families backing their home countries and they got to like send the, uh, they got to send the check oh, yeah. back to support them. But they're essentially in this mm -hmm. foreign land and they're basically enslaved and I want to just uh, on a financial front like they're not making enough to basically uh, be financially free or like do whatever they want or do what yeah. their passions are and uh, I thought I when I became a citizen in America I thought that I was done with all that because it made me really sad and then I realized mm -hmm. that the same sort of thing is happening mm -hmm. here a lot of Americans they are mm -hmm. talking about freedom but they're financially enslaved I was like what the hell like they have consumer mm -hmm. debt Mm -hmm. Like they're basically going to have to work mm -hmm. two to three jobs just to make ends meet. They're living paycheck to paycheck. This is not freedom. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? You know, yeah. the only way is through entrepreneurship, yeah. financial freedom. And I was, I was really angry and I was really passionate about it. And so I, I had to start Extraordinary America, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. I think the thing is that when you or any of the listeners that are listening right now, similar to exactly what you just shared, you have to find something that ignites the fire within you. You have to find a cause that's bigger than you. It doesn't mean that you have to do it by yourself, not necessarily, um, but it just means it's important to have a strong foundation into why you're doing what you're doing because that's going to be the bigger driver. That's what's going to attract other people to your vision. One of the things that my business partner and I were talking about a few days ago, we were looking at our journey and just uh, giving a lot of gratitude because we realized that although we haven't achieved the big goals that we've been wanting to achieve, but we're immensely grateful because we've attracted so many relationships and people throughout the journey, even how I met you in Alabama over a year ago that have really poured into us and inspired us or even helped us in some of the low times. That to me is because people are drawn to our vision, to drawn to who we are and, and the, 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 the change that we want to make in the world. You know what I mean? So what you just mentioned right there and what really matters to you in the core, that's very important for people to resonate and create something like that because that's what's going to be a great driving force for them in the future and potentially attract more like-minded to themselves. Because in our journey, we've attracted so many people that literally have came out and just helped us in really crucial times. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. But uh, Mo, what was like a chat? What was like, what was like a particular challenge that you had, like during your process of becoming an entrepreneur and in uh, like founding your business and how did you overcome that challenge? Oh, that's a great question. So one of the daunting things that happened to us that I've shared with um, some of our groups is, uh, I think it was 2019, we had um, uh, a fraudulent, basically a fraud case happened with the company where someone calls us, placed a large order, although we try to confirm that it was a real person and we talked to them over the phone. So long story short, they use stolen credit cards to buy over $30,000 worth of products from us that by the time we shipped out all the products, that's when the merchant company told us that it was all fraudulent credit cards. And by then the thief had already disappeared. We lost all the products we had shipped. Uh, so that was a complete nightmare for us because not only we lost money and products, but that was literally two or three months after I had just stepped away from my full-time job. So you can imagine now I just walked away from my job, uh, this major challenge happening in the business. Um, so the way we overcame it was literally uh, one day at a time. Uh, luckily for me, again, I'm surrounded by really good people uh, that came in and supported, really um, encouraged us throughout this journey. And then slowly out of that, we, we, we got out of that situation and continued uh, to grow the business as much as we could. And of course, the pandemic happened as well. Um, the way we overcame that challenge is uh, luckily for us, we don't have a brick and mortar uh, store. We don't, we're mostly online. So luckily that saved us a lot of heartaches throughout the pandemic uh, where we just focused on our online business model and our online consultation, which really strengthened our online presence to help us survive the pandemic. So those were the two major things was the credit card fraud 
and just managing and pivoting through the pandemic. That is, uh, that is really intense. That's actually like most, uh, that would be most Americans like worst nightmare, like, you know, like trying to yeah. become financially free and then uh, they take a financial hit uh, just after they leave their job or whatever. Mm -hmm. The way you overcame it was, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty inspirational altogether. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Mo, uh, you know that America is the land of the free and the place where dreams are made. Do you agree or disagree with that? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, for my experience, I know it can be different for everybody. The reason I still choose to be here, although America is not perfect, neither is any other country perfect, but the reason I continue to stay here and my family, some of my family is still here is because having access to greater opportunities is important. So for instance, uh, my country, Guinea, West Africa, similar to a lot of African countries, we have so many beautiful resources and cultures and things like that. But because of lack of access to more opportunities or even corruption in the government, it's uh, affecting the wellness of the citizens of the country. So therefore, there's not enough opportunity for a lot of people. So for me, although America is nowhere near perfect and has a lot of challenges still, but I choose to still be here because of access to opportunities and for the uh, type of relationships and connections and networks that I have here that allow me to eventually go back to my country and make an impact there and other places in the world. So to me, yeah. No, uh, I, I, I'm listening to that, right? And it basically, it's kind of like the same way that I see America, but you know, like a lot of, a lot of Americans are natives. They they have never been outside the country and yeah. they take a lot of the freedoms and opportunities for granted. They, I know That's from true. your perspective, you yes. the opportunity, but for people that have lived here their entire lives, yeah. they don't see that. They've never yeah. traveled outside the country and they, they only see yeah. what they see. Like uh, well, how, yeah. what would you tell somebody that's lived in America their entire life and has never been outside of America? Like what about, and like they take a lot of these freedoms for granted, opportunities for granted. Like what would you tell them exactly like regarding your perspective of this? I would highly, highly recommend to travel as much as you can, because another thing that Americans don't realize and they might take for granted is that the American passport is one of the most powerful passports in the entire world. You have access to over 140 countries that you can travel to without a visa. And my country, my passport, uh, my Guinean passport gives me access to maybe 30 or 40 countries to travel to without a visa, but the American passport is over 140 countries you can travel to without a, a visa. So that's step one. And number two is that humans, as we all know, were a result of our environment. Therefore, when you don't force yourself to step into other people's perspective and an environment, it's hard for you to relate. It's hard for you to understand. But I promise you that if you travel enough, and you see what humanity has in common, it will change your perspective if you're an open individual. Because, you know, I know that not everybody has an open mind. Some people can still travel and be like, you know what? I hate the world. I just want to come back home. But if you do it with an open spirit and you go places where you genuinely want to connect with people and humanity, 
you will come back with a better perspective of what matters more in life. So I'm a big, big advocate for people to travel more um, because I think it generally makes a great difference. Matt Mo, uh, I completely agree with regards to the passport because, you know, I at one point in time had an Indian passport and the people, yeah. like the officials in the Middle East, whenever I went to the a Middle East country, they just looked at my passport and they looked like I was like the scum of the earth, like the lowliest of the lows. Oh, and my God. I was like, I was not like worth like the dust on their feet. And then like, I finally got the American password. All of a sudden they're like, hello, sir. How are you? Come, come. Shit. What? <laughs> like what? Like suddenly like, like change in password. Just like yep. all of a sudden, like not only do I not have to worry about like getting doing a visa every year I'm trying to go to a new country. Yeah. Because like with American passing, exactly. there's also like automatic respect. Like there's a certain level of respect. And oh, yeah. people realize that, you know, uh, like at least in seven. Oh, countries. yeah. And oh, I agree. I definitely agree, man. I, I see I, the same reaction when I go to my own country in Africa. People treat me differently. So I get it. No, I no, get it's, it, man. Like, it's like you're like a like from like peasantry to like the royal and just like with one pass and like what it's just so crazy man like i was that was that was i i almost lost my mind just like yeah. <laughs> oh yeah man it's it's it like i said america's not perfect but if you focus on just like anything else in life you know nothing in life is perfect but if you focus on and the benefits of it, if you focus on the good part of it, you can utilize that to to go ahead and make a greater impact in the world if you wish to. You know what I mean? So to me, it's I'm immensely grateful that um, I've been given the opportunity to leave my country at a young age, to come here, to build a life of myself, to start a business, to do what I actually love instead of just doing whatever I'm told. Uh, so to me, I'm immensely grateful for my American journey. I'm looking forward to paying it forward and being able to take some of those resources and help people in my country as well, you know? No, I would tell my audience to be really grateful that we have a country yeah. like America because, yeah, like you don't know how the rest of the world is. And mm -hmm. it's just it's just amazing. But um, what do you think is the greatest hurdle that Americans face when it comes to realizing the American dream? on the financial front and how would they overcome it according to you like from your because because you know the american dream is different to different people right like for mm -hmm. us as immigrants like when we came to america we had a certain idea of the american dream like people living here they have a certain idea but what do you think is the biggest hurdle for people to realize this american dream of theirs i think it's in my opinion at least um it seems like it's a combination of many things, obviously, but one of the things that comes to mind is what you mentioned earlier is um, people that have never stepped outside the U.S. taking the opportunities for granted. You know, that's one. Because I've heard it said many times before that um, a big percentage of the millionaires in this country are actually immigrants. Because what most of Say us that come again, to this country... Bro. Say that again. Yeah, I've heard it said many times that a big percentage of the millionaires in this country are actually immigrants. And I think the reason or part of the reason for that is when we come here, um, we have no expectations for people to give us anything. 
we go hard, we work our tail off. Um, we're not looking for a handout or playing the victim card because we have too many people in our native countries that are waiting for us for a better life and things like that. I think that's part of it where when you, that just human nature, it's just kind of like a, a very wealthy child that's born without wealth and they don't know anything about wealth. They think their life is difficult because they never step outside of that circle. It's just human nature. Whenever we get used to something and we don't have anything to compare it to, we think our life is the most difficult, you know? But so to me, uh, it's part of that perspective is that when you're born here, again, you haven't traveled. You think that America has so many limitations. You don't realize what you actually have access to that the rest of the world does not have access to, you know, and playing the victim card. And the other thing is, I think also in American schooling education, you're sold on that job security is the most important thing. You know, so even when I was going through school here, through college and all of that, you were thought that, oh yeah, you'd make sure you get that good job and you stay with, with that job for as long as possible. So I think it's part of um, people taking things for granted because they don't know how good they have it, but it's also part of the education that always, always push for security. You want to have the most secure job as possible when the truth of the matter is the people that we read about in books and things like that are people that were willing to step outside the box and to take chances, you know, from anything from the uh, Edison inventing and the light bulb all the way to the way that the internet works, the way that you and I are communicating right now effortlessly through different parts of the world. Those are all people that thought outside of the box that that's has uh, allowed us now as humanity uh, to be able to communicate and utilize these benefits, you know, so... To me, it's just, it's, it's challenging, but at the same time, I'm glad to see that recently more Americans have been traveling outside the U.S., but I'm hoping that it becomes definitely more popular because it will make a greater impact. No, it's, it's a deep insight into American culture because that's, that's something only people who have lived outside America and came to it understand. Like, I know because I came from outside of America and uh, I became a citizen over time. But I noticed that people are taking like the, it is exactly what you're talking about. Uh, if you're born into a wealthy family, you're going to think, mm -hmm. and you're used to it. You're going to think your life is difficult because you don't have any sense of appreciation or gratitude, yeah. but immigrants that, that know what the, what the, what the culture is like in their own hometowns and they are, they're looking for opportunities. They're going to, they're going to grab it. They're going to be grateful. Mm -hmm. And ironically, it's that which makes them successful. Ironically, paradoxically, mm -hmm. the means to financial freedom is those same thought processes and actions that immigrants take. Like they don't take anything for granted. They're not looking yeah. necessarily for like a handout. They're just yeah. grateful for the opportunity and they're, they're making the best use of it. You know? Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. My but, pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> but, no, I mean, yeah, it has, it has to be mentioned, right? Because a lot of people, they're, they're basically, they, they don't, they're oblivious to how good they have it. But, yep. but, but Mo, you know that in the last few years in America, there's been a lot of deterioration, not only in the family financial sector, but also in family and government overall. So should we be optimistic about the future as Americans? And uh, where do you think this country is headed overall? You said deterioration about what? Say that one more time. Deterioration in the financial sector and also mm. in, in government. So should we? Oh, be got it. 
Should we be optimistic about the future? And like, where do you think America is headed overall? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, in my opinion, it's always worthwhile to be optimistic. <laughs> that's number one. Um, but I think, in my opinion, all the stuff that I've seen happen in um, politics and all of these things throughout these past few years, to, in my opinion, it's kind of necessary. What I mean by that is, Sometimes people don't know how good they have it until their beliefs and values have been shaken up. You know what I mean? Like you don't know how nice your house is until someone that comes in, you're like, oh my God, look at your house, man. You have this, you have that. But this whole time you're like, oh, this, I thought it was just a basic house. And then someone comes in and they, or the opposite happened. You have a nice house, but you've forgotten how nice it is. And they come and they try to take your house away from you. Or they try to take whatever you is it that you treasure. All of a sudden, you want that thing back because you're like, no, wait, this is mine. So in my culture, in African culture, they say that sometimes something bad can be a blessing. So in my opinion, all of this that's happening in the world or even in America, sometimes it's necessary for people to kind of wake up and defend what is it that they were taking for granted or defend what they stand for. So. Um, yeah, it's always worthwhile to be optimistic, but that's uh, the pros and cons of the the government system we have in place is that change is definitely inevitable. It's going to happen, but it's a matter of how long is it going to take us to basically defend what we believe in and be able to put the right um, the right infrastructures in place. No, that is deep. That is on a, I mean, I don't know if you're an author or if you're a saint or something, like some sort of street. Listen, sometimes something bad can be a blessing. And that's like mm. some really deep spiritual insight. Because a lot of people think that bad things are bad, but like, no, it's sometimes it's a stepping stone to greater yep. success. I think entrepreneurs, like, exactly. Uh, like, you know, most people, they look at failing, failure and bad things happen. They're like, oh, my life sucks. Oh, it's the environment. Exactly. Oh, but then an entrepreneurial spirit is like, no, it's data collection. I'm going to, I'm going to mm -hmm. look at it from a different perspective. This is actually a good thing. I see yeah. opportunity in it. And it's just like your insight and the way you're looking at the same issue. That's what we need today as a nation. No, yes. yes. you're thinking on a national level. I'm, I'm not <laughs> flattering facts. Like, no, just, that means the world to me, man. Thank you so much. Especially yeah. from your perspective. Thank you. I think it's similar to exactly what you just said. It's a lot of journey, a lot of reflection, a lot of really accountability because we can all play the victim card. You know what I mean? You and I can play the victim card and say, oh, you know, we're doing this because our family is not here. So therefore, we're going to do all these crazy bad things. We could, we could use whatever excuse we want to do bad or good. You know what I mean? But you and I are like, no, it's because my family is not here and all the things that happen. That's why I have to do good and do these greater things. So the same thing, same circumstance, but you were just choosing, you and I are choosing to do it differently, you know? So I appreciate that. And I'm super grateful for that because um, that's the gift and curse of, of humanity is that we have the ability to choose, you know? So that could be a gift and curse. <laughs> Got it. So deep, man. I can go <laughs> on and on, like, but then we only have 45 minutes, but wow, that's, it's all about choice. We can choose 
like no matter how bad our circumstances are, we can always choose to do bad or good. And depending on the wolf that you feed, you know, there's like a old Indian tale. Exactly. They're like two, uh, like there are two wolves and you raise both of them up. One is good, one is bad. Which wolf wins? And it's the one that you feed the most. We always have a choice. And so I'm really grateful that you, that you, that you mentioned that, you know? So, so, uh, Mo, can you tell the audience a little bit more about your company, Meraki Allure and, uh, and just a little bit more about it in general? Yeah. So after everything we've been through with Meraki Allure, um, we're in a very exciting uh, time and space right now because, um, we've done a good job of solidifying our online presence, but ultimately our goal is to become and the global leader in sustainable luxury goods. Uh, so eventually we want to have everything from accessories to shoes to other things. But we started with clothing since I was a personal stylist before the company to be able to just mark our, our, our place in the world with just clothing first. Um, but eventually we'll like to do a lot more than just clothing. Um, but where we are now, we're super excited because for the first time in six years, we actually have uh, executive memberships. So these are memberships that actually offer our clients uh, wardrobe consultation and different levels of uh, custom products that they can subscribe to. So we're very excited because now people like attorneys and our real estate people are are being drawn to our services more than before. So we're really looking forward to growing that uh, and getting the word out there for that. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend my audience to take a look at like what your company does and all the fashion and all of it. I mean, I took I took a look at it myself and the <laughs> fashion is the clothing line is just like amazing, you know? Thank you so, so much. So Mo, uh, is there any other body of work or a project or book that you're doing that you'd want the audience to get a glimpse into? Uh, thank you for asking. So I'm definitely secretly working on uh, a big body of work right now. It may be a book. It may not be a book. So we'll we'll release that information soon. Uh, but this is something that's very near and dear to my heart because when the pandemic began, that's when I started to dive into this passion of mine uh, where I started to write um, for months at a time. Uh, and then thanks to the leadership group where I met you, I was able to find a publisher. Uh, so now we're working on that. Uh, for later next year, but basically, um, my degree in college was in in um, in English and creative writing, but I hadn't really tapped into my creative writing passion for a while because I was so focused on building our miraculous business. But it's been fun recently uh, to really hone in more writing and eventually doing more coaching services to pay it forward because I promised myself that since so many people have poured into my life, I want to be able to pay it forward and do more things like this, like this podcast and eventually doing, excuse me, doing uh, coaching services and things. So that way I can share with people um, what's been instilled in me throughout my journey. That is awesome. Uh, Mo, is that... Is there, uh, like, where can our audience go to connect with you and get to know more about what you're doing and also your work? Yeah, uh, pretty easy. Um, my first and last name, Mo, uh, M-O and last name, C-I-S-S-C. You can find that anywhere on social media. 
but our company website is uh, easy. It's MerakiAlore.com. Uh, and the beauty about that is uh, the word Meraki, the meaning was a big inspiration because it's a Greek word. It means to do something with love whenever you put a piece of yourself in your work. So that was something that was a really cool finding when we were looking for company names back then. That is, that is awesome, Bo. Bo, uh, I, I'm really honored to have you as a guest on the show. And uh, you are basically an extraordinary American. You basically are the ultimate <laughs> embodiment of the American immigrant entrepreneurial spirit, right? Like it's like our identity to be immigrants. We're entrepreneurs like who use our innovation, like we think and act a certain way. And that's what would set us ultimately free. And like you're the you're one of the living embodiments of that. And that's why I had you on my show. I'm really grateful you took the time to be on the podcast. And I hope that you come back at a later time. No, it's an absolute pleasure, uh, Cosmo. Thank you so much for having me. I hadn't seen you in a while, so it was a great uh, opportunity for me to reconnect with you to see how you're moving toward your why. So congratulations to you as well for taking your stance and really doing something that you believe in. So I definitely commend you on that. And I look forward to definitely uh, more future collaborations and conversations. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I conclude this, uh, this episode by telling my fellow extraordinary Americans that, hey, there is an extraordinary American within each and every one of you. And it is our duty to unleash it and awaken it. Until next time, bye for now. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for watching Extraordinary America. If you like what you see, please do subscribe to our podcast and share it with others. Remember that the best investment that you can make in your lifetime is in your own financial education, for it is knowledge that truly sets you free. Also remember that uh, your purchasing power is being diluted through inflation, and then the practical thing to do is to protect the loss of your purchasing power by investing in precious metals or the right cryptocurrencies. Also, never forget that you are an extraordinary American. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.